Welcome, you winos and crimos. Jamie and I welcome you to episode one of Missing You. It's important for us to shine light on the missing. They need to be seen, they need to be heard, and they need to be found. And we can be the voice to bring them home. Someone is missing you. This week, we are shedding light on the disappearance of Rachel Cook. Rachel went jogging in her parents' Georgetown, Texas neighborhood in January 2002. She was last seen just yards from her home, but she never made it back. Where is Rachel Cook? Okay, Jamie, it is absolutely crazy to think that she has been missing now for almost 20 years. So January 2022 will be the 20th anniversary of her disappearance. So let's get into the details of what we know um, about the case, about her disappearance. And we'll also talk about the most recent updates on this case. Yeah, it's just so weird. 20 years and never found. Like, where is she? Especially a place like Georgetown, Texas. So we'll talk about that in a minute. So Rachel Cook was a 19-year-old college student. Um At the time of her disappearance, she was in town for Christmas visiting her parents in Georgetown. She was actually born and raised right there in Georgetown to parents Robert and Janet Cook. Um, So let's describe Georgetown just a little bit, right? Quiet, tight-knit community, um, just about 30 miles north of Austin. So to local Georgetown friends, people described her as kind, bubbly. She was beautiful, right? Had a magnetic personality, Um, But she wanted to kind of break away from the whole small town scene, right? So she was attending college in San Diego and was set to return back to California in just a matter of days um, from her disappearance. So Rachel's boyfriend, Greg, actually decided to join her for Christmas at her parents' house. So she was excited about this and she had basically, you know, told her mom, her sister, that he could possibly be the one. So she was, you know, she's in California at school with him. She wants her parents to meet him. So um, he goes with her home for Christmas. So uh, she actually met Greg when she moved to California. So they travel back to Texas together for the holiday. But he actually had to leave and head back to San Diego um, because he had to go work, right? He had to go back to work before the new year. Right. So basically... What happens, sort of the timeline, is he leaves California. She decides to stay in Texas because her cousin was getting married. Now, she didn't really, she never really initially thought she was going to be staying there for the wedding. Yeah. It was sort of a last minute thing. You get around family and then they start talking about the wedding, right? And it's like, oh, maybe I have, I can stay. Why wouldn't I stay? Right. Exactly. So, um, and that's basically what she did. So we're always talking about like the course of events in our life, right? All of our decisions that we make. Split seconds. Split second decisions, right? And... I mean, it's easy to do it looking back on things. Oh, always. Because you just don't know. Yeah. You don't know what's going to happen to you in life, right? Of course not. So instead of Rachel heading back with Greg, so she decides to stay in Georgetown, okay, for her cousin's upcoming wedding. So he's back in California on the day of her disappearance. 
though, according to witnesses, on January 8th, two days before she actually goes missing, Rachel attends a local party with friends from her hometown, right? She's in, I mean, we know what this is like. You're in town from college. Yeah. You're you're at your parents for the holidays. You're going to yeah. meet up with people you went to high school with. Like, it's a very common thing to right. do, right, when you go back to your hometown. The cram-packed full of... Yeah, seeing fun. friends and fun. Yeah. yeah. So she actually goes and attends a party um, that night on January 8th. She was excited to see everyone, except there was that one. Mm. That one ex-boyfriend that just, you know, can't ever seem to get over high school or that things have ended and move on with their life a little bit. And I feel like this was kind of that guy. Yeah. He wanted to just kind of hold on to what they had. And she's basically... Um, I even read that this guy went to her boyfriend and was like, I love her. And okay, he's like, listen, true. dude, you got to let it go. <laughs> and he was apparent. Greg even said he was like really nice to him. Like he would, he said he kind of just looked like the sad kid who was like really Aww. sad without her. Aww. So he was really like sensitive towards his feelings. But he was there at the party that night. And it was said that he actually confronted Rachel. And according to witnesses, he said, quote, I don't want to live without you. Mm. So he made somewhat of a scene. Um, it was actually making her very uncomfortable. So she actually left the party and went home. So when she goes home, she actually mentions it to her sister that, you know, she saw her ex, but never really went into much detail about that evening. All right. So here we are, the morning of January 10th, 2002. Her parents and her sister, Joanne, see Rachel asleep on the couch, and then the mom, dad, and sister head out for the day. Okay, so the dad was the first to leave for work, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. The mom was a teacher, and the sister was in high school at where the mom was a teacher. Right. Right? So they rode to school together, right. basically. Makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So um, after the dad leaves, and then the two ladies leave... That was it. They saw her on the couch sleeping. So Greg, her boyfriend, speaks to her that morning at 9.15. Okay? So he tells, her, Rachel tells him that she's going to go out for her run. Okay? So this girl was in, was a cross-country jogger. Yeah. Right? She liked to run long distances. So a run for her was six miles. Yeah. Right? Uh, <laughs> Which isn't much for them, really. Like, no. cross-country people, that's like... Yeah. That's like one lap for Dude, me. like, what are you doing? <laughs> Like, I'm done. <laughs> First of all, like I have always said, I'm so glad on a podcast you can't see our faces because Jamie has no way of hiding what she's really thinking. I'm like, six miles. Yeah, so when I said six miles, I looked up at her and her eyes were like kind of squinting and so something was going to happen. She's like, six miles? What in the hell? I felt like my breath was like... Isn't it like six miles to Choctaw, Oklahoma? I mean... <laughs> I used, you know what's funny? Though? So I used to be a long distance runner. No, you did not. Yes, I did. did. And yes, in Newman Smith, I was like on the track team, but I did like the long. I was like, I did two mile, like the two mile. Yeah, oh, shit. Yeah. oh yeah. I don't eight. know. I don't know what happened. <laughs> two miles is eight times around a track. Yeah, and yeah. I was like, it was easy breezy, man. The sixteen hundred meter, I'd be like, got this, no problem. That was before bad habits kicked in. Yeah, when we were I know, an adult. right? Like before I started eating cheese. <laughs> So because she talks to Greg at 9.15, authorities do believe that she went out for her run at 9.30, okay? And this is also based on witness testimony. Um, so, Jamie, we're talking about broad daylight, okay? The mm -hmm. girl goes out into, you know, Georgetown, Texas, where she grew up, d does her run. Now, I will say that some people did say that she basically ran the same route. 
And we always say, change shit up a little bit, yeah. right? Don't be, I mean, creatures of habit are great, but if somebody wanted to murder you, they'd probably know exactly where to find you yeah. and what you're doing. I mean, so change only, things up a little bit. You only got to watch you for a week. You do. And she had a Walkman on her ears. Mm-hmm. Now, 2000, listen, I am more than guilty of putting my AirPods in and running. Yeah. So, but I don't do it anymore. Since we started doing this podcast, <laughs> I don't know. I no longer have my AirPods in. And I just don't run. So there, I just stay safe at my house. <laughs> Jamie doesn't do anything. I go to the treadmill. That's it. Ja- <laughs> <laughs> like, not catch me on the streets. Oh, God. All right. <laughs> so two different couples reported seeing Rachel that morning. So this was between 10 and 11 a.m. So she was actually seen that day by six different people while she's out running. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So one of the eyewitnesses said he saw her two doors down from her house. And this is what's so crazy. And this is the part of the case that I will never, ever be able to get past. How This girl is literally said to be between 100 and 200 yards from her home. No, running like three doors. Right? Running back to doors. the house from the run. Yeah. So she was finished. She was running back. And that is the last time anyone saw her. Yeah, it's really weird. She was that close to the house, okay? So the last sighting puts her within less than 100 yards from the house. And then it just seems she vanished into thin air. But we got we know, guys, people don't just vanish into thin air. So let's talk a little bit about what was kind of going on with her day, what her plans were. So she had actually made plans to go shopping with her dad that day to find an outfit to wear to her cousin's upcoming wedding. Um, she also had plans with her friend Shannon that evening. And we we know that she spoke to Shannon, was confirming these details the day before. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know it's also very rare for someone to be making plans if they are considering suicide or running away. Because this, these will come up, right, in this yeah. case, because they want to, they have to investigate all avenues, right. okay? And and her boyfriend even said, she's living in California, we go back to Texas, so you're telling me she's, li- she's living, like, the, her best life. Like, that's what he told investigators. She's over the moon happy with her life in California. Mm-hmm. She loved that I came here to see her parents. Why would she come here to run away? Just right. doesn't make any no. sense, right? It doesn't. But they have to look at everything. Um, and they, people who make plans look forward to the future. Yeah. Okay. So it is not common for someone who's planning to do something to themselves or run away to actually make plans. So her dad, Robert, returns home at 3 p.m. and notices Rachel is not there. So not only that, all of her stuff is actually at the house. Her purse, her makeup. Her dad knows that she would not have gone anywhere without these items. So Rachel's father, Robert, he calls his wife, friends, family, her boyfriend, Greg. Nobody has seen or talked to Rachel. Okay, so they call the police. But then, of course, they get the whole, well, she's got to be missing for 24 hours because of her age thing, right? So, of course, what is the natural reaction of a parent? They are going to take matters into their own hands and start looking for their daughter. Well, yeah, of course. Okay. So that's what they do. They start looking for Rachel. Her dad starts to drive down the route that she would have ran in the neighborhood, you know, just looking for clues, looking to find her. So this is just the part of the story that just hurts my heart. So Rachel's mom calls the restaurant that Rachel would pick up shit 
shifts at, right? She worked there. She would pick up shifts if she was in town for the holidays, um, if she needed money. And she asked, is Rachel working tonight? Right. And they said yes. Oh. But it ended up being another Rachel. Oh, no. So they lost all this time, hours, and they thought she was at the restaurant. Oh, my God. Gosh. And I don't know if it was when she finally didn't come home in the middle of the night or if they were asleep and waited till the next morning. But eventually it was confirmed that the Rachel was a different Rachel, oh unfortunately. God, that's awful. Okay, so the police finally take this disappearance seriously. But by this time, you know, she's gone. There's precious time that has gone by. So a massive search ensues. Families, neighbors, everyone is looking for this girl. So cops start combing over the house, talking to people, and they find out a few things. So they do know she was out for a run, right? That six people did confirm seeing her out that morning. Mm -hmm. Neighbors reported a mysterious white truck with two men inside driving around the neighborhood at the time Rachel was on her run. So we know the ex, right, the one that confronted her at the party, he was questioned, still remains a person of interest. But we will come to find out there's actually a 100 persons of interest in this case. Yeah. Now, they've eliminated a lot of them now. Okay. So I will say that they've gotten, um, now, I wouldn't say their list is short, but I would say that they've eliminated a lot of these people. Yeah. So in 2006, four years after her disappearance, they got a huge break in the case. Convicted killer Michael Keith Moore admitted to kidnapping and murdering Rachel. So he tells authorities he was driving around the neighborhood looking for someone to rob when he noticed Rachel was jogging. So, Jamie, this guy is convicted and sentenced right now, right, for murder and burglary that occurred in 2003. So he's in prison. Okay, he's actually he's he's his time is four life sentences. Right. So he's not going anywhere. Okay. So the reason he's in prison is because he sliced the throat of a 14 week old pregnant woman, 14 week pregnant woman, as she pleaded for her life on her knees. So Moore claims that he sees Rachel running, pulls the car over, grabs a hammer, sneaks up. Behind her, right? She's got the head. We have to remember she had she right. had a Walkman on, so maybe she didn't hear the car. If this is true, um, basically hits her over the head with a hammer, throws her in the car, and then bludgeons her to death, and then puts her body in the Gulf of Mexico. Hmm. Because there's been no trace of her now for almost twenty years, right? right. They haven't found anything. So know, which is the weirdest. It makes me think somebody did just take her mm-hmm. and put her in the car, and that's why there's no trace. Right. Um. She could be anywhere. She could be anywhere. So as you can imagine, the family and the police feel like finally we're getting some answers. Okay, so um, pause a little bit here. I do the parents from the very beginning. So the father ended up taking a lie detector test Mm -hmm. and he failed it. Mm. But the reason they think he failed it and his wife would even come out and say is because the question he failed was, do you know where your daughter is? And he said no. But his wife says, my husband knew she was in heaven. We knew from the very beginning that this wasn't good. Man. And that's why they're not admissible in court. Because, I mean, when it comes to things like this, right? I know. It's like, yeah, you don't know what that That was the is. only question he yeah. felt. And his wife said, you know what? my And her dad, I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute. Her dad really just, mm. he passed away but yeah, it, during this time. Him. But um, he really tried to find his daughter. Um, so, but at the time, Rachel was... Um, was kidnapped or abducted um 
Michael Moore was not living far from where she lived. So it was completely plausible for him to admit to this and actually be a part of what happened. Right. So basically they're kind of believing his story. He's got some interesting things to say. Um, So he goes to court. He basically goes to court, takes a plea deal. The DA, he takes a plea deal. He goes to court. The courtroom is packed. Her family, her friends, people in this town. And the judge says, how do you plead? And he says, not guilty. (laughs) And they even said like the whole, it got so quiet. And then the judge says again, I'm sorry, excuse me. Can you, can you repeat that? And he says, not guilty. Right. So. That's the crazy thing about that. Like like somebody's already in prison, right? Right. And do they get so bored? He wanted snacks. They They said he wanted free food. They get so bored or they want some sort of like plea deal in some way or some sort, right? He's willing to confess to this because he knows he's not going anywhere. Right. I mean, you're a freaking psycho, man. Yeah. Well, you got, that's you got what a family looking for their kid, and you're going to be the one that says, "Oh, I'm the one that did it," just so you can get a Snickers or some yeah. crazy shit. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's, and they really believe that's just the way he was thinking, as far as just right. So her former her boyfriend, you know, at the time, Greg, he said, "quote I couldn't believe it. I remember the first time I saw his face, just pure evil." So they're all in the courtroom, right, mm-hmm. looking at this guy. So he says, quote, I don't know if I believed him or not, but what he did was disgusting by dragging us through that. He wrote a very detailed story about what he did. And just hearing those things is too much. Yeah. Well, he's got more time on his hands than anything. So he can sit there and write out this whole, like, oh, my God, it's just so. Okay, so he makes the plea deal, right? And it doesn't go well in court he says not guilty and basically the DA has to drop the charges because there's nothing else holding him accountable for this besides his statement right his confession yeah and so he says nope not guilty and they're like well that sucks so yeah so now we're kind of back to where we were but he's sick and psycho and you know he murdered a 14 week pregnant woman so that's why he is where he is so he's riding in prison in Texas somewhere Right. All right, so in 2018, 17 years after the disappearance, there is another break in the case. Cops sees a 1998 white Trans Am recovered in Dallas, and it just so happens this car is connected to the persons of interest in Rachel's case. So, Jamie, they found traces of human blood in the car, um, but just two months after that blood was found, investigators said they were moving on to the next lead. Nothing ever became of it. Mm. Nobody, they never really said anything about it. They didn't arrest anyone for it. It was like, okay, we've done what we need to do with the car. We're moving on. Okay. So um, her that same year, 2018, was her birthday, right? And so the FBI put up billboards up along I-35 with Rachel's picture. I think they were really just trying to get some fresh eyes on her face. Mm -hmm. Um, Just trying to get her face out there if anybody saw her, if anybody said anything or had any information on on that case. Um, Also in 2018, police released two sketches of two people that were seen in the area at the time of her disappearance. Um, And cops want to talk to them. So these sketches were actually updated in 2020. I'm going to post them. Um, on our social media pages. They look similar, Jamie, but I feel like there's some features in, in that first um, sketch versus the second sketch. You can definitely see the similarity. It looked like kind of the same person, but 
maybe a few little facial marks or a little older looking. Yeah. But what they did in 2018 was basically go back to everyone they interviewed that actually saw that truck, those suspicious people lurking around in the neighborhood and actually did a composite sketch. Gotcha. Um, But we do have one last update on this case to share that just came out a month ago. So in January, 2021, after thousands of tips, after eliminating so many people out of these hundreds, you know, suspects, um, cops want to speak to a man that was traveling around to different cities in Texas at the time of Rachel's disappearance. So they haven't named this person by name, right? They haven't said his name. Um, they do believe Rachel knew him. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's what, yeah, here's what we do know. They know Rachel knew him. They do believe he's in the cattle and horse industry. They believe he may have mentioned what happened to Rachel, but sort of used that third person basically separating himself from the case. Right. So they think he was an associate of hers and that she personally knew him. Um, So guys, if you want to go check that out, January 2021, this is the last update on this case that is out there. So you can go check it out. So Rachel's father and mother eventually, unfortunately, divorced. So we know statistically tragedies on this level can hurt that family dynamic. You know, Mm -hmm. people grieve differently. They handle things differently. And, you know, when so much time goes by, it's just hard. It's just all fucking hard Mm -hmm. when you're when you're dealing with stuff like that so um her father robert passed away in 2014 but he worked really hard to find his daughter according to his family um he was devastated by her disappearance her mother janet is still alive uh and i know she just wants to know what happened to her daughter that day she said quote i think about my daughter about one thousand one hundred thousand times a day i just want closure yeah Rachel Louise Cook was a Caucasian female, 5'2", weighing about 115 pounds. She had blonde hair with auburn streaks at the time of her disappearance and has hazel eyes. She also has multiple piercings in both ears, two heart-shaped cherry tattoos on her left shoulder, and a black star tattoo on her left foot. The day she went missing, she was wearing a gray running outfit, green sports bra, ASIC running shoes, and a yellow Walkman with sports-style headphones. If you have any information about the disappearance of Rachel Cook, please call 512-948-2911. Contact authorities, call the FBI, call the Georgetown police. Just tell somebody. Somebody can always make a phone call. Just, Just call your local authorities if you know or have heard anything about Rachel Cook. Yeah. Um, There's also a tip line. Uh, You can call 512-943-5204. And we will put all this information on the link of our website. Um, And that is the disappearance of Rachel Cook. I remember this case very well. Um, She's right around my sister's age. So um, it's been uh, it's been 20 years and we need to we need to find some some answers for somebody knows something somebody knows something i don't think she's in georgetown i will say that i don't know what happened to her but i think that she was taken somewhere else i feel like if she would have been buried or or taken and killed in georgetown that they would have found something on her now by now but well it's very rare for someone to commit something like this and not say something to somebody right you know i mean it's probably going to be some drunk idiot in a right. bar telling a story this... about like I was here just one time yeah <laughs> you know like I took this girl and it's yeah. like somebody out there knows like 
if you're the bartender, if you're somebody who's sitting next to this person, like there's somebody that has yeah. heard this story. You just got to put the two and two together. Yeah. And I hope this uh, tip that's now out just a month ago yeah. that brings them some information about my, what might have happened um, to Rachel. But uh, yeah, like we said, if you have any information about Rachel Cook, please contact authorities. We will have this information up on our website. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being part of Missing You. And let's help bring these people home.